Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your June 10th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Bertitas. If you like this podcast, leave us a rating and review. That way, other Flyer fans will be able to find us. Uh, and we appreciate you listening as we get closer to the puck, getting back on the ice in games. We are in Phase 2. And Flyers Daily brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. Here's what's coming up on this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, we're going to look back at 10 years ago, yesterday. This is coming out on the 10th. Ten years ago on the 9th, uh, we'll look back at that date in Flyers history, and uh, you probably remember what happened. It was heartbreaking, but uh, there's a lot to learn from it as well. Also coming up, uh, we'll give you the latest NHL news and notes. As the league is charting a Phase 3 protocol to return to play, we'll get to Phase 3, then to Phase 4, get the game back on the ice, and we'll go from there. Also going to talk to Flyers forward Scott Lawton. We talked to him at the beginning of the NHL pause. Now hopefully we're going to talk to him here as the NHL pause is winding down. So we'll hear from Scott Lawton as well. All that coming up here on this episode of Flyers Daily. Let's look back first and foremost at 10 years ago ago, yesterday. Uh, It kind of smacked me in the head because uh, Facebook memories, they pop up in your Facebook feed, and I clicked it. And I guess I had Facebook 10 years ago. Um, And on that day, I took a picture of the Wells Fargo Center, uh, a dark Wells Fargo Center, just the ice, an empty building, and said this is the site of Game 6 tonight of the Stanley Cup Final, uh, with the picture uh, there as well. Uh, we all know what happened in that game, that the Flyers ended up losing in overtime to the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks went on to win uh, two other cups beside that one, three cups in five years, I believe it was. Yes, it was. Um, and uh, pretty much a dynasty, the Blackhawks, at that time, uh, in the early part of this decade, and uh, three cups with some real good players, and Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, And the Philadelphia Flyers, that was their last trip to the finals. Since they won the Cup, the Flyers, back in 1974 and 75, they've gone to the finals six times. Uh, They lost in 1976 to the Montreal Canadiens in four games. They were swept in that playoff uh, in the final. Uh, In 1980, they lost to the Islanders in six games. Very famous uh, blown offside call in that series. In 1985, in five games, they lost to the Edmonton Oilers and Wayne Gretzky. Uh, In 1987, they lost to the Edmonton Oilers in seven games. Uh, They lost to Detroit in 1997 in four games, swept in 97, and then in 2010, the Blackhawks in six games. As I said, Blackhawks went on to win three cups total, 2010, 2013, 2015. Now, the interesting thing is it's not always that you get getting to the finals is an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. Um, But when you get there, you got the opponent that you get (laughs) sometimes is a little less advantageous than others, um, per se. Now, in 1976, that Montreal team that the Flyers got swept uh, by in, uh, in, in the final, uh, they went on to win four straight cups, that, the first of that four straight cup run for them. In 1980, when the Flyers got to the finals against the uh, New York Islanders and lost in six games, that was the first of four straight cups for the New York Islanders. Two teams, Montreal and the Islanders, clearly dynasties, four straight cups. I know the league was different back then. Then the Flyers go back to the finals in 1985, where they lose to the Edmonton Oilers in five games. Edmonton won in 84 with that core of Gretzky, Messier, Curry, uh, Kevin Lowe, all those players. Uh, the Flyers lose in 85 uh, in five uh, to the Edmonton Oilers. In 1987, they lose to the Oilers in seven games. An incredible series. Ron Hextall wins the Conn Smythe. The Oilers win the Cup in 84, 85, 87, 88, and 90. Clearly another dynasty, a team that won five Stanley Cups. And the Flyers lose in 1997 to Detroit in those four games. And that t- that core with Steve Eisenman, Federoff, and that group won in 97, 98, and 2002. 
and then a slightly different core in 2008 under Mike Babcock, and they win another cup, a fourth there. Another team, maybe stretching it to say that was a dynasty, but certainly uh, an all-time team with Heiserman, Fedorov, and that group. And then in 2010, you lose to the Blackhawks in the six games. They win three cups in five years, 2010, 2013, 2015. Six cup finals appearances. The teams they lost to in the finals won a combined 20 cups with five different finals opponents. That's amazing. It's not like you lost to a team that was a one-and-done. It wasn't like you lost to a team like the Anaheim Ducks or you lost to a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Calgary Flames. They lost to all these cups to teams that were the elite of the NHL, some of the all-time great teams, including that 87 Oilers team, which many believe was the best hockey team ever assembled. doesn't make the loss any easier to take, uh, but um, the Flyers have had a little bit of bad luck in who they've matched up against in the finals as well. Again, 20 cups with five different finals opponents. Last lifted that cup back in 1975. Worth noting, I thought it was very interesting and just really crazy, um, the teams that they've drawn in the finals when they've gotten there in those six times. We're all hoping they can battle their way to a Stanley Cup final uh, this season when the NHL uh, does return to play, if indeed that does happen. And uh, there's a lot of news in that regard, including the fact that the Canada and the U.S. are set to extend the border closure to the end of July. Now, a lot of people believe that with that border closure, if that goes until the end of July, July 31st, then NHL training camps cannot begin, phase three cannot begin prior to August 1st. Uh, that not That is not necessarily the case. Uh, the, I know that the, the league, the pro sports leagues, the NHL, NBA, they're all discussing these border issues with the countries and uh, trying to get some special exceptions for players to be able to, to cross those borders without quarantines. They will be tested, obviously, and they would have to go through some rigorous testing to make sure that uh, they're not bringing the virus uh, with them from wherever they came from. Uh, players coming from Europe, players coming from the United States to go to camps that are in Canada and vice versa. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But it looks like that border closure will be extended. But to the impact that that's going to affect the NHL is not determined, if at all. Pierre Lebrun, who uh, from TSN, who, by the way, has been a great follow for information with the NHL's return to play, uh, did put out a tweet and he said, there's been some confusion out there about the potential start of the NHL training camps for 24 teams in Phase 3. Um, still, the NHL and NHLPA, subject to negotiation, are still hoping for mid-July start to camps uh, for the training camp. So that will kind of allude to the fact that they would work out some kind of deal uh, with the U.S. and Canada and the border restrictions. Also, on uh, insider trading, Pierre Lebrun was talking about uh, the NHL and the NHLPA, the continuing the back and forth on how training camp and the actual 2014 tournament are going to work in terms of protocols, details, testing, all the elements that go into getting to phase four and phase three. And they're going to have to put the executive board, which is the 31 player reps, they're going to vote on this. Even the teams that are not in the uh, 24 team field and in a play-in situation are going to vote on this. And it's not going to be a separate vote. They're going to get everything together. This may take a week, couple of weeks, and then they're going to have the vote and they're going to vote on all of it uh, to move forward and determine the date for phase three and ultimately the date for phase four, which would be the return to play. Round robins would begin for the top four seeds in each conference. And then in the uh, play in uh, best of five series as well for uh, those teams involved in that. So still a lot to work out for the NHL and the NHLPA. Also some news coming that uh, they are working on, the PA and the league are working 
uh, on a new CBA. They're trying to take care of business, this kind of business, while they can during uh, the NHL pause. We're not sure if they're going to get a CBA done prior to the return to play, but that could be something that goes a long way, especially for players. One of the big issues is escrow. Um, that could make the vote, obviously, tip in, in the favor of the NHL a little bit better if the players really like the terms of escrow and a few other details going forward, including the Olympics in 2022 in Beijing. So there's a lot still uh, uh, up for negotiation here. The game is not back on the ice yet. There's a lot of details still to work out. Uh, but we are in phase two right now of the NHL's return to play protocol. And uh, Flyers did have some players at the skate zone on the ice. Media not allowed in the building. Players are arriving with masks on, coming into the practice facility, getting their temperature taken, and also uh, when they're leaving, wearing the masks as well. Uh, I believe they had about six players there at the training facility skating uh, on Monday to begin the this phase two protocol. A couple of players that were there skating, uh, Ivan Provorov, he never stopped skating. Uh, Sean Couturier, Shane Gostaspare, a few other players as well. Players will start to trickle back into town uh, as we get closer to a phase three, especially when they determine a date for phase three. That's when you'll really start to see action players coming over from Europe. Uh, if the player were to come in right now, they would have to quarantine for 14 days, hence be off the ice for 14 days. And like Scott Lawton, who we're going to talk to in a moment, is in Toronto and has ice available to him there. Uh, if he were to come here now, he'd have to quarantine, wouldn't be able to get on the ice for 14 days. So um, they'll work through these logistical issues of quarantine and uh, going over the border back and forth and, and that kind of thing as well. Pretty much most NHL players at this point that are returning uh, are finding ice in some way, shape, or form to get out there and get their legs moving again, uh, get used to the, the rhythm of being on the ice, uh, albeit not games, and there's a lot of work to be done and probably a three-week training camp before they return to play. Uh, but players are getting back on the ice and, and working on their skills as well. So uh, that's good news. And with that said, uh, i got to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer. It's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling Traditional Lager. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. Had a chance to catch up with Flyers forward Scott Lawton. Talked to him at the beginning of the pause. Scott Lawton having a real good season for the Philadelphia Flyers. Missed a few games early in the year. 49 games on the season. Missed 20 of them. And he joins us right now on Flyers Daily. Scott, how you doing? Good. Uh, how's it going with, uh, with you? It's going. Um, I'm happy to uh, welcome you and everybody else uh, to Phase 2. Yeah. <laughs> Feels pretty good, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. I think uh, any any kind of news is um, from from the NHL is, I guess, good. And and uh, to hear about uh, phase two kind of starting up is is a, a move in the right direction. And hopefully we can um, continue to to trend that way and and uh, get back on the ice as soon as possible. Uh, we talked right at the be- right when this whole pause kind of happened, and you know we were all kind of stunned at that point. We had no idea where it was going, how long it was going to last, or anything and and to some degree we still don't know certainties yet uh but with that being said uh how is your timeline kind of broke down you were in philly when we last spoke i understand you're in canada now what have you been doing over the last 88 days or so yeah um took a little bit of time off in philly and um kind of recharge the the batteries that uh you get pretty worn out throughout the year i i obviously was hurt a little bit and um was probably the freshest I've been in a couple of years uh, just from the injuries but um, you, you definitely want to recharge the batteries and kind of clear your head and I mean it was tough with um, with everything going on and, and uh, you just don't know what's going to happen and, and when we're going to come back so you kind of have to stay sharp and ready so um, I've been home for a month and a bit now and um, I, I train and skate and 
um, just trying to find ways to stay busy and uh, trying to get on the golf course and um, just kind of keep the mind at uh, at ease and, and uh, uh, while I'm staying ready to, to come back. Uh, when you play golf, is, is are you one of those people that is – my worst day on the golf course is better than my best day at work or are you really competitive? And if you don't play well, it really irritates you like it does me. Uh, I can say that it doesn't irritate me, but it does at the end of the day. I, I, <laughs> You're competitive. I definitely want to play, uh, play well, but yeah, but there's some definitely some rounds where um, you're just out there with your buddies and you're having a good time. So um, you're just getting your swings in, but um, definitely have a couple matches throughout the week that you, that you're a little more competitive in and, and uh, try and win. So um, I think it's a good way to, to get out and um, enjoy time with, with family and friends. I got out with my dad last week and um, just nice to kind of reconnect that way and, and walk the course and um, be able to get out and, and uh, talk a little bit. How is the situation in Toronto right now? Because that's one of the cities being mentioned as a possible hub city. We know the league would love to make Toronto a hub city for obvious reasons. Um, they'd love to have a Canadian market represented as well. Plus, it, it, it does present some savings in all the scenarios with the 70 cents on the dollar because of the Canadian dollar. Uh, but how is the situation right now in Toronto, as, as to the best of your understanding? Yeah, I think it's been um, pretty good. Um, I, I think people have uh, followed the, the rules as much as I've seen. And I think um, for me, it's mostly... Um, training with my trainer and, and uh, skating one-on-one with a skills guy and then I'm pretty much at home for the rest of the day. So um, if I'm not at the, at the course or, or going around, but um, I think it's been good here. And um, I think you have to just do your part and um, try and stay home as much as possible. And, and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully there is a hub city like Toronto. That would be really cool for me to play. I know there's uh, probably not going to be fans, but um, just nice to be in that, that home city, but we'll see what happens. Scott, um, how long have you been skating? There's obviously in Toronto, a lot of available sheets of ice, um, in normal circumstances. Um, when were you able to get back on the ice and how often are you skating now? Are you skating daily, five days a week? Uh, no, not, not five days a week yet. I think, uh, it's actually been really hard to get ice, uh, in most of the, of the ranks are city owned and, um, you kind of got to find uh, private uh, rinks that um, have uh, really specific rules like um, dressing outside and, and uh, kind of going in and, and doing your skate. And uh, it's only, I think, uh, I believe there's only two people allowed on the ice with you. So um, mostly one-on-one with my skills guy and, and uh, trying to do that way and um, just kind of try and stay sharp and go on twice or three times a week and um, started skating last week. And, and, and that's the only time you could really find ice and, and uh, find it available where, where you weren't breaking any rules. It's really hard. Like when you guys are in a normal off season, and this has been roughly that amount of time, it's been almost three months. Um, your training is ramped. You have a target in mind. You know when you want to get to your next level of training so that when you're getting out there to play games, you're in the best condition physically, mentally, and, and all of those things. With the uncertainty that's kind of surrounded this, um, have you started now ramping your training, uh, you know, pushing yourself a little harder, knowing that you guys are now in phase two, um, but uh, phase three could be, you know, as soon as July 10th, not that far away. So this would be like August almost for you guys in a normal off season. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, I think that's kind of been the mindset of, 
of the last uh, month or so of, of getting back in and, and uh, doing um, normal workouts. And I've been lucky enough, my trainers uh, back home has, has uh, really helped me out with uh, even in-home programs where um, at the start when, when you weren't uh, allowed to, uh, uh, I guess, see someone and work out, uh, it, it was tough. But uh, my trainer back home's done a really good job of, of sending me programs and the trainers in Philly um kind of stand on top of us and making sure we're doing all the right things so um i think you have to have a healthy balance of of uh skating and training but uh definitely ramp it up the last uh two or three weeks and and trying to get uh your body back into the form uh that it was at uh when uh when you ended the season scott you, you mentioned that you felt kind of as fresh at that point in the season when the pause happened um, for being March, probably the freshest you've been in your career. You missed some time earlier in the season, as you alluded to. Um, but when you look at the situation and you find out the return to play has been voted on, you're part of that. James Van Riemsdyk was part of the return to play committee. And you see the, the setup they have with the 24 teams, the play-in round, and you guys will be involved in a round robin. Um, did, did it get when you found out that everything was going to go through and, and you were going to enter kind of the, the specifics of this, did, did it get you really kind of excited to to put a – you know, really want to try and culminate this season and, and take care of some unfinished business? Yeah, I think so. I think you um, are definitely excited. I think there's a couple more steps that we are, are yeah, a couple more steps that we kind of have to have to go through and make sure that um, everyone's going to be uh, healthy and safe and, and uh, make sure that um, everyone involved, the, the staff, um, from, from top to bottom that uh, it's okay to come back. So, um, but any, any news, like I said before, from the NHL where um, we've kind of voted on this and, and the format, I think it gets you excited and, and uh, hopefully gets the fans excited too, to, to be able to watch it uh, hopefully soon coming up. I, I missed an opportunity when you said it earlier, you had to get uh, you know dressed outside. You like going like, remember you're like a, you know, a, a mite and a squirt and you go to the rink and, and half your gear, at least your bottom half, you drive it in your car, like to the rink with your, with your bottoms on and just leaving your uppers yeah, out. I, re <laughs> I remember my dad used to dress me on my front steps. So that was, uh, now it's a little harder. I'm, uh, I'm a little less flexible. It was easier when, when he was putting on my skates and tying them for me on the stairs. So it's a little tougher now, uh, dressing outside, but, um, I think it's, uh, the right thing to do with, with everything going on. And, um, like I said, you just try and follow the rules and make sure you're staying safe while while trying to trying to get better. Scott, the uh, the round robin, which you guys will be a part of as a top four team in the Eastern Conference, as the number four seed, kind of going into that, it's nothing but upside for you guys. Um, you can only move up; you can't move down. Um, but how important is it for uh, you, you as players to play games that mean something before that first round of the real round of the playoffs with the with the full sixteen teams? How important is it that those games mean something for you guys to get your competitive juices going? For sure. And I think uh, there's no really better test than um, the, the three other teams we're going to be playing against, three uh, really, really top-tier teams. And um, I think we've given, uh, given them a, a pretty good uh, fight this year. So um, I think it will be lots of fun um, coming back and, and being able to do that. And um, I, I think it will definitely get us ready for the, for the first round if, um, we're playing those top tier teams and uh, it'll be a lot of fun and a lot of, uh, right off the bat and, and uh, we're going to have to be ready for sure. How long without fans is it going to take you guys to, to kind of just adjust to that? I don't even know that there's an adjustment because 
I've always been of the belief that as, as a player in sports, you are always kind of tuning those things out, except for the, the stalled moments of a game, perhaps when a crowd can, can affect it. But when you're actually playing, I, I think there's little impact. That's my opinion, but I didn't play in the NHL. You did. Um, but you guys are competing for the Stanley Cup. Whether there's fans there or not, that trophy is just as important, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think um, everyone that, that plays hockey, that's, uh, that's the main goal is to win the Stanley Cup. So I think any chance you can get at that, uh, you're, you're going to try um, your hardest and, and uh, do everything you can. Um, it's definitely going to be weird um, being an empty rink, but hopefully we can do something cool where, um, like guys have said before, mic a couple guys up or, or have something where um, fans can kind of um, – kind of be there with you on the ice I guess but uh, we'll see what they do and um, but yeah at the end of the day it's it's about uh, winning the Stanley Cup and if everyone can stay safe and and uh, healthy during during that time then um, I'm all for it. Scott um, home ice uh, is what you're playing for in that round robin and to get as much home ice advantage or be the home team I guess in this scenario uh, but let me ask you your perspective on this because obviously it's not in home buildings at least to start maybe it does trend in that direction if things continue to improve for maybe a conference final or cup final. But that being said, uh, what is the advantage in being the home team uh, in a building without fans? Uh, we know you get last change, but tell us how that impacts the game uh, for you guys in certain matchups against certain players. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's huge when you have home ice, I think, uh, especially for um, what coaches want and, and what kind of matchups uh, you're going to get all night. So um, I think it makes a big difference. And um uh, of having what guys you want to play against, which lines and which defensemen. And um, I think it goes a long way throughout, uh, throughout a game. So if you can try and get that, that home ice and um, kind of hold on to it, it, it can be huge down the road and in uh, different kind of sorts of matchups and, and what you want to do throughout a series. It's a, it's a long, long series and um, there's a, a lot that goes into it. So uh, I think that's a huge part of it. What's been the sentiment of your teammates? I know you guys communicate a lot uh, via text group or, you know, you stay in contact. I know, I know you're really close with uh, Michael Raffle. You guys have quite the dynamic of a relationship with you, you and him, and uh, he's a beauty, absolutely. Uh, but what's been the sentiment amongst your teammates about uh, everybody, you know, starting to trickle back and uh, get on the ice at the, uh, at the skate zone and then uh, open up a training camp hopefully here in early July? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll start to see guys uh, slowly trickle in and, um, head back to Philly and um, I think guys are, are uh, mostly training back home and, and uh, able to get ice and, and guys who aren't are probably heading back uh, to Philly a little sooner so um, I think the guys just miss each other I think uh, that's a, a huge thing and you want to get back to uh, playing and, and uh, competing together and uh, especially the way the year was going I think um, you just want to come back and um, kind of finish what uh, what we started all year and, and uh, I think you just want to try and um, be the best team you can be. And, and uh, I thought we were trending in that direction. So hopefully we can kind of finish uh, what we're, what we're um, striving towards and, and uh, hopefully we can get back. Uh, last thing for you, um, you know, playing in under Elaine Vigneault, you've had a great year this year, really good numbers. And uh, even though you didn't miss some time, you played 49 games this season, 13 goals, 14 assists, 27 points. You're a plus 13. Um, but, but coming into a, with a new coach and missing time early, you kind of played the first month and then you missed about a month and then you missed a little bit of time later in the season uh, in December. But 
Um, and adjusting to a new system, that's not ideal uh, to play the first month and then kind of miss some time. How did you adjust back to it when you got healthy? Because you really kind of got going right after you, you returned after your injury in October and uh, coming back late in, in the month of November. How did you, how did you adjust to that? Yeah, it, uh, I think AV did a good job right from camp of uh, uh, explaining the system and making sure everyone was on the same page. And I think that's uh, why we were pretty successful this year of, of everyone just being on the same page and, and accepting your role. And I think um, he did a really good job of that early on. So guys um, didn't really have an issue with it. Uh, I think there's definitely a, uh, with a new system, new coach, how he wants to play. But um, I think right from the get go, AV brings so much experience and, and same with the rest of the coaching staff. And um, they were able to, to kind of help me through it. And um, I think uh, Angelo Ricci did a really good job of, of uh, kind of skating me when I was uh, hurt and um, coming back and uh, I felt really confident in my game. So uh, I think there's a ton of people that, uh, that kind of are behind the scenes that people don't see and, and uh, that kind of help you along the way uh, along with the coaches. Yeah, it's interesting because during this pause, I've gotten a chance to talk to people that I would never get the chance or availability with. And Angelo was one of those guys. And he mentioned working with you uh, as well. He's been working obviously a lot with Nolan Patrick and other players coming off injury and pushing guys. Um, I, I lied. I said that was the last thing. But um, what'd you get for your birthday? You just turned uh, 26 on May 30th, just a little over a week ago. Anything good? Uh, yeah. Any good birthday gifts for you? Uh, well, I actually got a cat the other day, so maybe that's, uh, that's probably the best birthday gift I got. So I'm, uh, I'm enjoying my time. Brucey's his name. So yeah. From, from the movie Matilda. Brucey, the guy from Matilda, guy who gets, uh, (laughs) gets the cake smashed over his head during the, uh, during the, uh, school attendance. So if you haven't watched that movie, go watch it. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's the best birthday gift I got. So just hanging with this guy right now. Well, happy birthday from, uh, the Flyers fan base. I, I know that they want to celebrate your birthday with you, um, and, uh, get back on the ice and, uh, any, any timeline on when you return to Philadelphia and get, and get to the skate zone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to wait it out, uh, probably another week and see what happens here. Hopefully, uh, some more news comes out, uh, but we'll see what happens with uh, with everything going on. But uh, I have ice here right now and, and uh, a good uh, training program. So, um, yeah, we're, we're kind of just taking it day by day and um, week by week and, and see what happens and, and uh, hopefully get back to Philly uh, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Scott, you know I love talking to you. You're one of my favorite guys to talk to. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you're playing some good golf. I'm glad you got a cat. Uh, I'm glad you had a happy birthday, and I'll be even happier when you're back here in Philly and putting on the sweater and uh, whatever hub city yeah. you're in to, uh, to battle for that cup. I appreciate you taking the time. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Jason. Special thanks to Scott Lawton for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers in Phase 2 right now. We'll see as players trickle in and get uh, get on the ice at the Flyers skate zone as that, uh, that group of players will continue to grow day by day, week by week, as we get closer to Phase 3 and a return to play for the NHL. Also, uh, before we get out of here, uh, the NHL has also put out the uh, awards voting for the NHL awards, which they usually do in Vegas uh, at the at the end of June, early July. Um, that's obviously not going to be the case this year. No word on when we will find out the winners of the voting, but the uh, the people that are doing the voting on the NHL awards uh, have until Monday to get the to cast their votes. And uh, of course, you know, the general managers vote on the Vesna, and we got the Hart Trophy and all kinds of uh, different categories. And we'll see if Sean Couturier can land his first Selkie Trophy 
uh, as a member in the NHL. Uh, would be certainly put him in some elite company. At the midway point, the Professional Hockey Writers Association did also uh, mention that uh, he would have been the winner at that point in time. Season did get cut short. We'll see if Sean Couturier ends up with his first Selkie trophy. Also nominated for the Masterston trophy, the Flyers uh, writers have nominated Oscar Lindblom, who obviously suffered from Ewing sarcoma, finishing up his treatments. I know he spoke out and said, can't wait to get back out on the ice, get back with his teammates, and we hope the best for Oscar and certainly a worthy uh, candidate for the Masterson's Trophy. Flyers have had two winners in the past in the franchise's history, Bobby Clark, and also Ian LaPerriere was a winner of that as well. Each NHL team nominates a player for the Masterson. So that's going to put a wrap on your Wednesday episode of Flyers Daily, and uh, we'll be back with another one on Friday. This podcast brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you Friday on Flyers Day.